Thomas. Elliot. Thomas. How dare you try to catch me off guard because I was drinking a glass of wine. Hello, how are you? I'm so, I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. Hi, listeners. How are you? Thanks for tuning in to... Do. You. Queer. What I. Queer. And that's Elliot. And that's Tom. And we're Dickwick. And uh, we're coming in hot. Yeah, we are. It's probably 35 degrees in this apartment. Yeah, so hot. On this day du Canada... Jeu du Canada. Wow. Joyeux Pâques. No, that's Happy Easter. <laughs> Joyeux Canada de, de jour. This is now a, lang- a French language learning podcast. Um, Tom is your tutor. Il y a un chien. Je mange le pupitre. J'aime violet. <laughs> I also eat desks, and I also love purple, so thank you um, for opening up to me, Tom. I feel like I just got to see an inside of your soul. I wanted to share some of my, um, my, my, what's it called, to be bi- bilingual, bi- <laughs> bilingualism? Bi- I'm a bilingual bisexual, and I just wanted to share those parts of me with you, riding a bicycle. <laughs> I've j- I just need everyone to know that I think the heat might actually be cooking our brains inside our skulls because uh, <laughs> Tom looks really off the rails right now. And <clears throat> listen, it's Canada Day, KKK Canada Day, um, <laughs> colonial genocide. You know, we've been through this. Already. Yeah, we have been through this. We've been um, through this. Also, if you want to hear. Um, an amazing episode that we've done in the past. Thanks to Jeffrey McNeil Seymour. Check out episode 30 um, for a two-spirit take on decolonization um, and indigenous politics in Canada. Good so, for you. You had that locked and loaded. Locked and hot in the brain. So, mm-hmm. Tom, uh, what does Canada Day mean to you? Oh, I don't give a shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, uh, actually, no, that's not true. I haven't been very vocal today about Canada Day, which is shocking for me. I yeah. usually like to run my mouth about fucking everything. But Tom has actually gotten trouble for uh, just having a megaphone on the street before, and that's not an exaggeration. No, it's not, and it's been more than once. <laughs> I didn't actually know that part. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I've seen a lot of things online about how Canada Day should be canceled, and I agree with that. Yeah. Like, until we're able to, you know provide the proper reparations and reconciliation to our indigenous folks and of course our you know our our um black and other people of color who are racialized in this country then Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't think it should exist like i don't believe in the arbitrary day that this country that canada canada i don't know if you know this listeners but canada is canada named canada it's because some white idiot colonial settlers misheard um, some First Nations people talking about that town over there, and so the 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 na- the title the word town in that language Canada meant Canada. So mm-hmm. th- those idiots were just like, "Oh, this place is Canada." It must be that. And so I know I know you all pr- probably knew that, but that was educational corner with Tom. I just picture like what's that thing like a moment in our history, you know? Oh yeah, I think it was one of those. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely seen it on that before. Um, so yeah, fuck it, fuck yeah. that, fuck the genocide that like our, our settler colonial bodies are celebrating. Well, and like I see people, I I hear a lot of people being like, oh, but you know, um, I am gay and have certain freedoms that come from living in Canada, and like you know, can I not then celebrate those freedoms or? Um, you know, whatever, whatever the reason might be right, that like, Canada oh, does. Hey, like, the reason is always, well, it's, things are better here, yes. is the reason. It's not as bad here, right. is what we always hear. And that may or may not be true. It's, I don't think it's true. Right, sure. I think sure. it's not. We're just, as we always say, nicer about things. Nicer being, in quotations, an insidious. Right, yes. About, like, hiding things. Yeah, it's a lie, I'm pretty sure. Um, and there are, yeah, there are numbers to to back up even the police brutality that happens in Canada, and people do like to compare us to the states. Um, but yeah, my, my thing is just like, why, first of all, uh, why do we need to even stake claim to a place? Why do we need nationalism? Why do we need to be mm-hmm. proud? Um, and then second of all, like what, 
how am I supposed to phrase this? What is the point of that when all it breeds is complacency? Why not even just skip that conversation, skip that feeling? Like, whatever, sure. It It is nice that we have certain freedoms, um, but a lot of people don't. So why would you even bother saying that? It's just kind of fucking rude. It's like you have sure. a full cake and someone's in a corner without a cake and you're being like, oh, but I have this cake. And someone's like, I literally have none. So why the fuck? Like, why? You know? Yes. Well said. Is Morbidly it? well said. Like... <laughs> I'm not sure I should be agreeing with you, but I fucking do. Comparing genocide to a cake. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's necessarily what I set out to do on this day of Canada, but I did it. Uh, people get angry. People love Canada. Yes. Uh, Canadians love Canada. Uh, we're not quite as kooky as the Americans. Look, I just did it. I just did it. I just did what I said were. <laughs> the comparing the thing. Comparing. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you have a different take on this, let's hear it. Like, yeah. Email us. Send us a message. Um, how do you, I sort of like put this to myself and to you, Elliot, and to the listeners, how do you sort of reconcile being proud to be a Canadian, being proud to be in this place where we are free, most of us, some mm-hmm. of us, uh, and with the like horrific history that we've had right that this day sort of represents well and like can i just tie one more comparison just when you said proud like if you take pride as another example like pride the celebration pride the event um pride originally was um a a riot against police brutality um and then it has evolved into this weird complacent parade um celebrating all of these rights quote unquote and freedoms that we have without actually continuing to rally against police brutality which it is changing but I mean, there's kind of parallels there. What actually does pride the emotion or pride the affect do? And I think the answer is usually breed complacency um, okay. and continue harms. But that's just one okay. faggot's take. And you can like tweet at us. You can DM us. You yeah, can email I appreciate us. you saying all this. I'm worried that we've scared 100 listeners away because uh, of our leftist commie pinko bullshit. If that usual. is the thing <laughs> that scares people away, Tom. People love Canada. People yeah. are crazy about this country. Yeah, they really are. Um, okay, so I know that we have an amazing episode. Um, we shouldn't take up too, too much more time. However, I'm going to throw you a quick curveball. Can we just discuss the responses that we've been getting on Twitter to um, to the Spotify campaign? Oh, my God. For one quick second. First, I just want to say that uh, I, sh- I need to backpedal a little bit and corrections corner myself. I just said people are crazy about Canada. And I, am, I made it since we started doing this podcast to not make crazy an adjective right. for something that's um bewildering or, or or yeah or extreme yeah so i walk back on that thank Apologies. you i will also do better because i say that word far too often so do you want to hear some of the funny things that people said so so spotify canada uh featured us for pride it was very very nice especially reading the hateful hateful responses on twitter by far my favorite part by far my favorite part and by far the most responses were hateful. Yes. Which is, like, even better. Like, it's, that's icing on your proverbial cake. Absolutely. <laughs> the cake that I'm eating in the corner and someone's not. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So, do you want to hear some of them? Please. Okay. So, the first one is, I hate it when companies put religion in advertising. <laughs> I love that they're catching on to the fact that we're trying to make queerness into a cult-like religion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I appreciate. Yeah, thank we've, you. We've constantly said that Tickwick is a cult, yes. so... They are catching on. Yeah. Uh, Another, the next one just simply says, I don't celebrate queers, (sighs) which is like, we don't either. We always admonish ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) We just said we hate our fucking country and we hate pride. So listen, there you have it. Uh, Somebody said, don't really give two shits. I support gay rights, but do not condone it being jammed down my throat like this. I'm really not certain how, like, a very banal advertisement scrolling through. Like, if you see an advertisement for pajamas, do you think that people are shoving wearing pajamas down your throat? Absolutely not. Just keep scrolling, you dumb fucker. Somebody wrote, having a heterosexual party, which is, you know, clever and idiotic. Uh, that, somebody, that doesn't really make sense. Somebody just wrote, puke. Which that would, to be honest, it was probably your face that he was. It that's really really fair. Out about. Um, my my party time sweat face. <laughs> um. Oh, also, I should just say I just called someone a dumb fucker and I used dumb in um a derogatory way. So I myself must also walk back on that. Thanks for your honesty. Well, thanks for holding yourself accountable. Trying. Uh, much like Dirk Diggler held you accountable. Ha- 
accountable, held you accountable by saying, I don't know what country these flags represent, but all their people there sure are the ugliest freaks I've ever seen. And I hear the suicide rate there is over 40%. That is a lot to unpack. It's so much. What I, flags are you talking about? What country? I really don't understand. Where did you get that rate from? I, I'm, to be honest, just glowing that someone called me an ugly freak. I would like to wear that like a badge. I am so happy. I'm so full from that compliment. So thank you. Uh, somebody else wrote, so we can call people queer again? That's cool. That's like a very, that's a very thoughtful response, I think. Except we could that have a discussion. he meant it as, I'm sure, like, as, yeah, oh, can we go back to calling people fucking queers? Queers. Yeah, but like if someone yelled queer at me in the street, it would be just like when Mario gets a power-up mushroom. Like, I would, I would enjoy it. It would invigorate me, so. Someone else said, by not giving a shit about a vile community. Hmm. Interesting. And a lot, the piece de resistance after the scourge of society is my husband and I just celebrated 53 years of love and commitment. Who acknowledges our lifestyle? If you're gay, that is your life. Stop talking and celebrating. Live your life and be happy. Okay, first of all, Karen, um, I had read these actually to um, to Aiden, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, more than that. But um, the first thing Aiden said was like, she literally celebrated her own straight relationship in telling us not to celebrate. Um, so the levels of uh, just mental gymnastics these yeah. people are going <laughs> through to try and be mean to us is pretty rewarding. It is rewarding. It is my rewarding. Part. It's also, I mean, like in all seriousness, it's it's just strange how, and maybe a little bit disheartening perhaps just to see how baseline people are with their hatred still. You know, when people are, you know, out here trying to abolish the police, people still can't even deal with seeing like a pride post. Um, so I just think it is also a reminder that there is um, still a lot of work to be done by a lot of communities. And um, I always talk about our bubble. Yes. It reminded me of what, what, uh, what the fuck bubble we live in. Yes. We live in My a fuck God. bubble. Totally. A fuck bubble. It's true. A fuck bubble, but. Oh, thank you so much for coming full circle, Thomas. Listen. Look. On that note, uh, let's not take up any more of our faggoty time. Yes. With us uh, prodding along. Uh, we have an amazing guest coming up this segment. Uh, honestly, so well-spoken. Yes. Chris is so inspirational, so honest. This episode made me cry a couple times when I was editing in the Uber, so just make sure you have um, either privacy or not, if you're like me and don't mind to cry in public, um, then that's okay. I also just need to make one quick correction. Um, at the end of the episode, Chris plugs their uh, Instagram handle, but it has since changed, and their Instagram is flomosexual. That's F L O W M O sexual so yeah <laughs> look them up okay everyone uh i hope you enjoy tom elliot hi tom hi how are you i'm good and i'm better because we have a very amazing virtual not in studio studio guest today excited for our <laughs> virtual not in studio studio guest chris hi everyone thank you so much for having me honestly i'm so excited about this chris thank good. you so much for coming uh yes we're very excited to have you chris do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself yeah for sure um so yeah my name is chris I'm 25, and I was born and raised in Lebanon. I um, moved to Canada around two years ago to do my master's in sustainability management. Um, but I ended up doing a collaboration with the Sexual Diversity Studies Center. And I did my master's research in uh, the integration of refugees that identify as queer with a focus on Toronto. Um, and I felt that related to a lot of uh, things that happened you know, in my life and my narrative. So I was really excited about it. And here I am. Now I graduated, I finished, and I'm happy about it. I'm happy I'm here. Great. Well, congratulations, first of all. That's really exciting. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to hear um, everything. So Chris is going to talk to us about something very specific coming up. Um, I did just want to start off the bat, if it's okay with you two folks, um, by describing yourself in a color. How are you feeling today? Elliot, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, I, I just dyed my hair like twink blonde. And I want to say that that's my color. But, you know, we do this um, just to, to honor like how we're really feeling. And today's been a pretty bad anxiety day. So I feel like my color is like, you know, when you're flipping through an old television that has like the bunnies, and it's just like, 
colors that are blurring with gray kind of yeah like, that's yeah. very my color i'm just like channel flipping i keep trying new things like it gets the picture gets a little bit better but there's still a lot of static so so that's where yeah. my head's at great i settled feeling exactly I do enjoy your twink blonde hair. It, it matches your asshole now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for letting everyone know. Yeah, I, I can. I sleep better now knowing that. <laughs> this is actually a podcast to help you sleep. So thank you for just bringing. Oh, thank you so circle. much. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee it is not a podcast to help you sleep. <laughs> it might, in fact, do the opposite. Fair enough. Um, my color today is like a a stompy gray, like um. Mm. Like sort of like, you know, when you read like a magazine or a newspaper and you get like gray ink sort of like splashed on your skin. Yeah. I just like feel like so full of like um, melting information that I can't really, it's like, I just want to stomp around to deal with it. Like, I feel like I'm the gray of an elephant's hoof. <laughs> um, oh my God. I'm, I'm sensing a theme here. Like yeah. a confused, angry, anxious theme. <laughs> well, those are three words that describe us very well. So. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Chris, what's your color today? Um, so I think my color right now would be more of a caramel, yellowy, like brownish color. I feel like, you know, when you when you bake something, like when you bake banana bread or when you like caramelize onions, like that color, because mm. I feel like I was like, I needed something. I went camping this weekend. I came back also I'm tan. So like that's a kind of a brown thing. But I feel like I'm done. Like I'm ripe. I'm done. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to be eaten. Like I'm yeah. good. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Stick a fork in you. Yeah. Like sweet, salty surprise. That's perfect. I mean, wouldn't be the first time, but <laughs> where did you go camping? Um, it was close to Perry Sound, uh, three hours out of Toronto, in like an unmarked road thing. Oh boy. Sounds like the start of a horror movie, but okay. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what it happened at the beginning. We saw a topless guy walking in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, run them over right now. <laughs> <laughs> movie should be done right now. <laughs> the audience is yelling at you to do that exact thing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, and you listen, so that's great. Yeah. I mean, we didn't run him over, but... <laughs> um, so uh, we are the kings, queens, and non-binaries of awkward transitions here. So if you don't mind me... I'll go ahead and ask Chris why uh, why it is you came on here to talk to us today. Um, so at the beginning, I texted Elliot because I found myself in a state where I was so enraged, I was crying, I had just had enough and I needed to do something about it. I felt like I've been dormant for a while and I just needed to get a lot off my chest. And um, so basically that happened when um, Sara Hijazi uh, passed away. Um, should I quick uh, give a quick yeah, please, thank overview? you. We haven't. I would say so if yet. you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Sarah is a um, queer person who was living, who's Egyptian, was living in Egypt, and uh, what happened is during a Mashrua Layla concert, Mashrua Layla is a band whose uh, lead singer is openly gay, and during that concert in Egypt, uh, Sarah raised a, a rainbow flag, and because of that, Sarah was prosecuted and then imprisoned and tortured in prison for being queer, and then after that, she was able to get out and escape Egypt and come to Toronto, come to Canada, where in Canada she became this big activist everybody looked up to, but the pressure of the oppressive community that she was living in was too strong for her. And she kept on getting death threats from people uh, from, you know, all across the world. And yeah, at the end, it was too much for her and she committed suicide. Um, last week i think it's been a yeah it's been a week and that is the moment where i like when i when i read it and when i read her message it was so emotional for me because it is so close to my narrative as well and uh not that none of the narratives should be compared but it just hit home that if i hadn't had a couple of people in my life specific people i would have probably also acted upon my um suicidal thoughts that i had before and i think one like there are some things that makes the story even harder to to, to wrap my mind around where in her letter 
she said she was apologizing to her friends and her family for not being strong enough. But then her last sentence was basically, the world was too cruel to me, but I forgive. And I forgive the world. And that was the last thing that she said to anybody. And that was that was the moment where I just couldn't take it. I felt the cruelty of the world. And I wanted to come up here and talk about it. I really appreciate your reaching out and, and coming to say something or, or anything. Um, yeah, and, and at her vigil, which was, I believe, also last week, um, mm-hmm. there was a speaker also just saying, like, you know, when she came to Canada, um, she wasn't Sarah anymore. She was Sarah. And, like, there was also that, you know, loss of identity, and um, which is, I'm sure, something that comes through in, in your narrative, Chris, and in your studies as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's I, I, I will elaborate on that narratives and how I think... Um, they affect mental health and queer people who have escaped oppress- oppressive states. But like, I, I, I couldn't believe that uh, some people were even commenting on the posts of her suicide and the posts of her letter saying that she deserved this and she brought it upon herself. And by saying like, oh, not only was she gay, but she also committed suicide and you want God to forgive her. May she burn in hell and you all deserve to burn with her. And my sister actually went to the vigil that happened in Paris for her. And while everybody was, um, you know, saying memories of her and talking about her, this one woman came up and started shouting hateful slurs and telling everybody to to follow her and to go to hell and that if you believe that she was a victim or she's innocent, then you should burn too. And I think that is something that is unacceptable. This should not exist anymore. Whether you are, um, you, you do understand what queerness is or not, you, that is a human being. You're wishing a human being to be dead right now, to end their lives as if you have superiority over that human being. Mm-hmm. And even just to say burn in hell, like it's that, is it not enough to let somebody rest? It's just so, it's so insidious and it's so hateful. Exactly. And it's these slurs that led Sarah or a hundred and millions of other people to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I personally, I think it hit home so much because um, I'm just going to talk a bit about my experience in Lebanon before moving here, where I was born in a very Christian uh, environment. My family is Christian, and I was taught to go to church all the time. Um, I was a, I was an altar boy, right? Side note, that's how I became gay. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's a terrible <laughs> thing to say. Um, I, I've said um, it before, don't worry. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't sure if we can say that here. Oh, no, um, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, that was not the reason, but it's uh, it's funny because sometimes it's true. Um, so yeah, I was in a in, in that environment, and I learned to hate myself and to internalize the homophobia that I was projecting onto other people because it wasn't even something that was only wrong it was something that we do not talk about it was something that i remember once having a conversation with my dad when we we're having you know the sex conversations and it was it was very short where it's like oh this is something we never gonna have to think about again because it's something that is not um okay to talk about it's a taboo right mm-hmm. and yeah so i i i learned how to hate a big part of myself and i the only way out for me was to compartmentalize my life and be like, okay, so these are the things that everybody wants to see and this is how I should act. And these are the things that I am feeling that I'm going to shove down and like hate and like um, project them onto other people so that I'm accepted in my community and for my family. And after having moved to Canada and having done some therapy, I realized that I have borderline personality disorder which I traced back to my early years of hating myself and having to like not conform with my self-image, which resulted in me not having a self-image anymore. No self-confidence, no self-image. I didn't know what to do in my life anymore. I just wanted things to stop. That feeling of like, I'm done, right? Like that, like mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. So... I think that the biggest issue with um, 
with leaving an oppressive country in that state is is that you can always leave a physical place, but that does not mean that that physical place is going to leave you. And that is the main thing that people don't understand. People in Lebanon, even people who are who consider themselves allied to the queer community, have sometimes an opinion that is like, oh, if you are so miserable here, like we understand, we sympathize with you, but maybe you should leave to have a better life. And that's not the point. The point is not leaving to a place where you think you might be accepted, but to accept yourself no matter where you are. And yeah, I, I guess, I'm sorry, I'm a bit out of words right now. It's just No, that's okay. I was just, and sorry if this is crossing a line, I don't know, but so what was the decision that you made to leave? Like, how, how did that sort of come about? Um, so I, I started basically in 2015 when I was graduating from undergrad. And I realized that I was heading towards a very dark place. I had a girlfriend at the time. We had just broken up. I um, uh, left university. I finished my degree and I had nothing to do. So it was like uh, everything that I knew, everything that was stabilizing me suddenly vanished. And I had to find myself. And that's when I realized that I don't have a sense of self or perception. So I started looking for it. And that's where I started um, sometimes experimenting with drugs, for example. And I was trying to find that thing that is going to make me feel like myself again. And um, so that's around the time when I started going into my depression more and more until like 2017, where I started having more suicidal thoughts. And these thoughts, um, I never, acted upon these thoughts because of my support system regardless of everything that was going on. My sister is a person that has been there through everything and I know that it's going to be there. And then I met my best friends that made me realize that I am just perfect the way I am. And not only with my queer identity, with, with even my body image, right? Like I uh, had always issues with accepting that I am quote unquote overweight. So it was, it was that feeling of like, I could feel better, but I don't know how to, uh, that started giving me kind of a bit of hope actually of like, I could try to leave this country and then try to find what I wanted. So then I got a job and then like a couple of years went by where I, you know, saved up some money and I established where like, okay, now I feel like I'm physically able to leave this place. And I applied to, you know, to University of Toronto here. And once I got my acceptance, it, it was very ironic. Once I got my acceptance, things started happening around me where I started feeling like I belong in Lebanon and I belong there. And it was weird because it was then that I realized these, are, these, these things were happening because I started accepting myself and my my surrounding changed and the people around me started accepting me. I started going to, you know, to queer clubs for the first time. I started being okay talking about queer culture with other people. I started getting introduced to new people and I started dating new people. And that was when I had to leave. And it kind of gave me that push to be able to start on a different level once I get to Toronto. So like once I got to Toronto, I felt like my experience in Lebanon had equipped me to, you know, get integrated in the community that I want to be in and to, mm -hmm. to, to kind of realize what I wanted rather to then like find the people that I'm usually used to interacting with. It's so, it's like, funny that you say that. Like I remember, because um, so Chris and I took um, a course together in the sexual diversity studies department, and yeah. like the first day you walked into class, like you were just such like a beacon of queer joy, and just like radiated just that energy. Like you know when you see someone who's just so unapologetically queer, it like makes you feel yeah. safer to be yourself. Like it, like you were that figure for me in that class, and it's just, um, you know, it's just interesting to hear that 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 comes with so many internal struggles that you know, there's often always another side to that. And that's the side that no one gets to see, right? Yeah, that, that makes me honestly so happy to hear. And I really appreciate it because I feel like I worked so hard to be able to be that person. Mm -hmm. And I still, I still stumble. I still go back on it. I still have, I sometimes need to like nudge myself and be like, hey, listen, like you're hating yourself right now. This is your internalized homophobia. But to be able to talk to people and see them telling me that like, 
they think they can see my masculine side and they can see my feminine side and they really see me as me my own gender rather than a man or a woman or male or female and mm -hmm. yeah it was just brought me so much joy and boosted my confidence so um, thank you for the confidence boost <laughs> thank you for the confidence boost um i also just i want to join this damn class <laughs> yeah yeah but how, how, let, let me boost your confidence tom you have an amazing smile you you look very huggable right now <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> that is too sweet. <laughs> I um I don't mean to get to get downer again, but I just want to circle back on um just the really important point you were making, both about the importance of queer community. Um, really, it's, it's really important to celebrate now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like the global, international queer community, just anyone who goes through these feelings. Um, and then also the reality that uh these structures that we internalize, you know, and like the heteropatriarchy and how crushing capitalism is and gender-based violence and um, queer phobia and, and all of that. And, you know, they come to settle so deeply. And I think that that's something that um, Sarah's life and Sarah's death and Sarah's story is um, just speaking so powerfully to it in the sense that like we all need to go further to support, you know, everyone and each other and to try and dig deep uh, in ourselves and allow the space for others to do that. So I just really appreciate you coming on and like opening up that conversation. Yeah, for me as someone who's native to Toronto and maybe who cares what I think, but um, <clears throat> it's interesting because Sara in my mind represents um, a great victory for us and a great failure for us too. It means that we exist as a space, as a city maybe that people can come and be free, uh, but we must be able to support those people, I suppose. And so I have like real mixed thoughts about that. Well, and this is something that people that were close to her at her vigil said, like Toronto, it was a real failure. Like the, right. you know, the the welcome wasn't a welcome. Um, everything Trudeau spoke about, you know, like uh, helping immigrants settle here. The, the, the actual show of support wasn't half as much as the words were. And I think that's another really big systemic issue as well that needs to change okay well let me walk back on that then because that's that's horrifying no, but, if no, that's not it, the case it makes sense that you say that because that's a narrative that we're told as torontonians as canadians like oh the welcoming whatever and it's just like that that's just straight up isn't the reality you know right um, yeah it's actually i touch upon that in my research when i was doing the integration of refugees uh, that i felt as queer in toronto and th there was you know, a lot of issues in terms of systematic issues where like shelter and like um, medical assistance and spaces where they can communicate. And the biggest one was when I was doing my interviews with people who were working like frontline workers, working with uh, queer refugee cases. Uh, the biggest issue issue with mental health is that the mental health that, that is very limited, but that is provided is not at all tailored to the individual where somebody who does not understand queer narratives or, or Arabic queer narratives or, you know, um, South American queer narratives or like people of color queer narratives cannot really assist and give the proper guidance or uh, mental health assistant to somebody who just came here with all the cultural shock and all the oppression, right? Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is that they need to conform to a new narrative that is being given to them so that they can receive the, the um, all the help that they need. Because, so like, let's say, North American officers that are working with these refugees have, are, are okay with a certain image of what it means to be gay and they want them to conform to this image because otherwise for them it's like oh you're not gay you're you're whatever it's you're something i don't understand because they do not have not seen that narrative before right so mm -hmm. that makes me just feel so um lack of a better word hopeless and so i want to ask the question and not to anyone in particular but how do we fix that how do we make it better and i guess we're not there yet we're still at the like rage Obviously, you are crystal at the yeah. rage sorrow phase, but mm -hmm. I wonder what steps we can take as a as a whole. Yeah, I feel like, unfortunately, part of what you said is like something that you said is very true. Is that her death is also pushing the movement forward, and it is 
it is doing a lot of positive things in the community and especially in Lebanon because people that I have never thought that would be okay with uh, the queer community replied on my stories of Sarah saying like, I, I never knew this was happening. And you know, so there is some sort of awareness. But the problem here is that when you come from a country that is oppressive and that has lived through a war recently, um, your, your trauma and your PTSD are considered something that, is that you can use to be artistic or to be, you know, to push forward. And the problem is that sometimes you start romanticizing these um, these narratives. Whereas, oh, if I don't feel pain, that I can't have success. Or if I don't feel, feel pain, I can't be creative, I can't push forward. So people need to understand that, yes, these things do help in pushing forward the, the queer um, movement, but also we, we cannot um, romanticize it so that people feel the need to feel that pain in order to move forward. Absolutely. And it's like, and the root, the root of those pains are the oppressive regimes that come to settle. So, you know, if, if people, and if we accept that that's what is required in order to do better, it, it's kind of like, um, it's romanticizing, you know, the very, the very structure that put that pain in place. Right. And like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. I see. I never thought about that before, but definitely. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, it took me a long time to just understand what I have been going through. And even now during the camping trip that I was in, um, at some point I had a panic attack um, because I was talking with, I, I was talking with this woman and I was feeling like we were connecting in a very, um, platonic way in a, in a way where I um, she saw my feminine side and I saw hers and we were connecting on that level and then things kind of turned into flirting and it brought up this trauma that I had never understood before from when I was in Lebanon and I would be talking with girls and thinking that we're connecting. And then all of a sudden I start being angry. And all of a sudden I start creating issues and trying to push them away. And I wouldn't realize that I was doing something wrong. I, I always think that it's them that they're saying something wrong. And it was literally yesterday that I realized that this is happening because I needed somebody to connect with on a feminine level and not be sexual with them. Mm -hmm. Where, I, but then I was given the role of a man, and I had to play this very rigid, strong man who is taking care of this woman in front of him and being the more um, one, the one in control and trying to flirt with them. Right. So this is kind of going back to the narrative part that I was talking about. That I said that I was going to elaborate. Where the narratives that are given at a young age in more oppressive uh, states are always carried with you. And if you don't work on breaking them down, they are a big cause for uh, outbursts and episodes and mental health issues. So, so okay. And some of your coping, from what I've gleaned off what you're saying, is you have you have a community of friends that you sort of connect with, and you see somebody obviously about these things. Do you have any other advice for I'm sure the very very many number of people going through something similar? I I have a lot of coping mechanisms that are very tailored to what I um, think um, works for me. And I wouldn't want to generalize um, and say something that might hurt somebody else. But I think one thing that worked for me and worked for other people that I've talked to is to try to find something that more physical that you uh, that you can do as a hobby that can connect you to other people without having to use the um, uh, analytical part of your brain so for example Elliot knows this I spin fire and I do some uh, flow arts and I never thought that this is related to my queer identity at all but then first of all the people that do fire are very very open very loving and very queer in a sense and just being able to get out of my head for an hour or two by spinning fire helped me have the energy to be able to 
process my feelings more. So it was like, gee, because, uh, you know, you sit and you go over and over and you're stuck to this one perception in your life. But when I do flow arts or I do something manual and when I do the dishes, I get stoned and do the dishes and clean the whole house, <laughs> right? Like just cleaning the house kind of takes me out of my head. And, yeah. and I sit down, I see everything clean around me. I'm like, oh, like it's from the outside end kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so. I just love so much. Um, also, I need to say to you, Chris, um, the, the video that you made, I could never actually download it. So um, oh. can you please resend it to me after we do this recording? Because I would love to see it. Um, Chris yeah, made a final sure. about relating queerness to um, fire and spinning fire. And I just love the the imagery that like queers are playing with fire and it's queer to play with fire. It's just so powerful. Yeah, because of our, our past amazing guests, Maya was also a fire spinner. Right, too. true. And I oh, think Maya she, she felt... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, she's in the video. She's in my video. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's I was awesome. going to say, it sounds a lot like what she would have to say about that as well. Yeah, actually, like, Maya was the, the main person that I wanted to highlight in my video because of the things that she said were, were so amazing. And Maya is such a sweet and amazing person and such a good entertainer, so... So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you actually got to talk to her. I love that. What a small, queer, flaming world. It's amazing. I know. <laughs> well, flame on. Flaming homosexuals. <laughs> um, Chris, so we have um, our season four question for our guests is, um, what does your queer future look like? Or a queer future? And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Um, I think it's a bit of a complicated question for me because I re relate queerness to um, to my cultural background a lot, and I feel that the future of uh, the queer community in different cultures and different communities is going to look very different. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to answer both of what I feel like where I am physically now in North America, in Canada, and where I feel like it's headed in Lebanon. Um, in in North America, I feel that. Um, there's a big movement that happened that kind of shook the world with like Stonewall and like all the history of, of the, the queer community that kind of made everybody aware. But then there was like this downtime where the people who like millennials and people who were my age and like younger were born in a more accepting environment. So they kind of let go of that fight and were like, oh, like we're good, we're fine, like homophobia is not the same, whereas homophobia is still exactly the same. And I feel like now in Canada, people are starting to kind of, you know, get that momentum back. So I feel like the future of the queer community here is unfortunately going to be a bit, a bit of pain and a bit of like hardships to kind of wake people up again and to like get that momentum again. Whereas in Lebanon, I feel that it's like, 50 years late where the first wave is starting to happen right now and like I'm very grateful for that and I see the future for queer people in Lebanon to be better and it's already better from like 10 years ago to now um, there are people who are pushing for the queer movement and there are people who are opposed but even the people who are opposed are now have to acknowledge the presence of queer communities Whereas before, when I was young, queer communities were not talked about. It was something that was not brought up. So even the fact that we are able, they are able to insult us is kind of a step for, for, for me. Like, oh, like you're insulting me, so you're acknowledging my existence. And mm -hmm. my existence is bothering interesting, me. Interesting, interesting. Um, and then the second part to that question, although I feel like you may have started to answer it already, is what gives you hope? for a future that looks like this? Um, yeah, what gives me hope is everybody, every time somebody calls me out. And I guess like, yeah, every time somebody's trying to kind of put me down. I, I do, however, realize that this is more of a privileged view on things because not everybody can have, like not everybody is at a point where they can fight back. and. This is where, where bullying comes into place. And I feel like I could handle that. So I also think that uh, there are a lot of um, idols and a lot of people to look up to in the queer community in Lebanon now. So I feel like just having these people is presenting a good um, image and like a hopeful image for the new uh, queer community in Lebanon and the younger community. Because I have 
um, people that are like 18 and 19 now, and I know that they're uh, gay or queer. And I, I, for the first time, I was able to have a conversation with them where it's like they don't feel like they hate everything around them. They, they hate part of their life, which that should still be worked on, but they also see hope in drag queens that are that are you know becoming a big really big scene in lebanon and they're bringing drag queens even from you know repose drag race or whatever to kind of get the ball going and get this thing and whether you know there are controversial opinions on repose drag race i'm not getting into that but i some just fracking opinions yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but like in in a community where drag was not really a thing the word drag wasn't there although interestingly enough we had a drag queen that had um, all these sketches on TV and everybody watched her. They just didn't know that she was a drag queen. For them, it's <laughs> wow. just a man just in a woman, right? Yeah, like, she was like a clown or a pantomime or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. everybody talk, talked shit about her, but also everybody kept on watching her because it's it was the, an outlet for their... for They were so frustrated that they can't talk about the lines of gender and she gave them this outlet although they were hating on her, you know what I mean? So yeah. these things are kind of giving hope for the newer generation, I'd say. I love that answer and it speaks to a lot of um, kind of the learning that I'm going through right now, um, just seeing a lot of activists for the Black Lives Matter movement saying there's like, you know, so many different ways to push a movement forward and people need, you know, the artists, people need, you know, bodies on the front line, people need um, the educate, like the educators and like there's just, you don't need to perform all roles at once and as long as you're doing something and what you can do. And, you know, I, I just, I like that you said, you know, I'm able to take this and then that's a role that you're willing to do. And I just think it's really important that we all recognize where our boundaries lie, you know, and, and how much we can actually do. Yeah. Really like that. And like the queer movement in Lebanon also is kind of pushing for, so we have something called the kafala system. The kafala system is um, something that is allowing modern slavery to still exist in Lebanon. So you have someone who is from, a, usually from um, an African country or from an Asian country where they come and they live with you. So basically like a live-in maid, and I use that term very loosely because I hate the word maid, but they live with you and you take their passport, you're allowed to take their passport. They have no rights whatsoever. You, like, they treat them very badly, right? And it's a whole system. It's called the kafala system where you go to a, an office and they show you pictures and you're like, oh, I want this person. I want somebody with more skills in English or I want somebody, like, you're shopping for another human being, basically. And the and th this movement is being right now kind of, kind of, addressed and fought because of also the queer movement so it's like everything has to come together and everybody has to push forward because obviously you cannot talk about queerness without talking about people of color right absolutely um and just to bring it back to sarah again at the vigil they were saying like because it was her vigil was the same day as the sit-in um the not another black life sit-in mm -hmm. um where activists sat all along bay street from the police headquarters to city hall um yeah. and they were just saying you know, it's really apropos that that's on the same day as the vigil because she saw the connections, like you, just like you exactly said, the connections in all of these structures of oppression. Um, you really can't pull one apart and go at it without addressing the entire thing. Um, and I just think it's important too, especially for a podcast called Do You Queer What I Queer, that we start to acknowledge that queerness encapsulates um, a yeah. fight against all of these systems and not just one of them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Tom Sorry snapping. if I steered away a bit from your original question. But... Oh my goodness. Oh my god. No, 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 no. That was, that was this amazing. Is, <laughs> this is your platform. Thank you. Thank can you so we much. can we throw some lightning questions at you? Some lightning round questions? All right. I, let's let's do this. I don't know. I feel nervous all of a sudden. Oh no, 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 I don't feel nervous. <laughs> um we called around the quoffing round and not um a penis fart. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So these, these answers can be as penis farty or as as um, well, yeah, or as yeah. serious, I guess. Yeah, beautiful. What's I'm, the answer I'm, to penis fart? I'm living to the penis fart right now. <laughs> as queefy or as queefy as you want. Okay, <laughs> Those are your options. Um, right. Tom, or do you want to start? Yeah, I do. Chris, what uh, what is your pronoun? The, I would prefer they them, but I am okay with any pronoun as long as I don't feel misgendered. What is your favorite swear word? 
Oh, cunt, hands down. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, if I could just have variations of cunt to create a language, that would be perfect. Um, what's your favorite body part? What is my favorite body part? Okay, I have gotten in trouble for this before. My favorite body part is the neck and kind of the lips, but I've gotten in trouble about it before because imagine hooking up with someone and then saying, oh, you have a beautiful neck. And then you're like, oh, um, well, I forgot I have something. I'm, I have am, to I, go. am I safe yeah. here? I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, I, now I realize when I should like, you know, put that in in the conversation rather than just like jumping out from the beginning. Like, oh, yeah, beautiful neck. Elliot and I would both be like this. Like quite literally. I'd be like, oh my God, I would not, never have to eat again with that compliment. Wait, what's your favorite button? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly full. Yeah. Um, Chris, what's your favorite movie? I am very indecisive about this because I don't know why I can't I can't choose like favorite movies or favorite songs or colors. But I guess um, a really good movie that I've watched recently that I think is awesome is uh, Rafiki. Um, it is based in Kenya and it's about a queer relationship between two women. Amazing. I realized yeah. too that we should probably change favorite to like what's what's one that you quite like because because yeah. favorites aren't queer. It's not queer to pick a favorite. I yeah, agree. exactly. Good point. Yeah, um, it's very queer to change your opinion from one second to the other. Exactly. <laughs> In that case, I'll change my next question. What's a mythical creature that you like? I would say, well, th- this trip we were talking about Sasquatch a lot for some reason, but <laughs> but I would say I would still stick with a unicorn because. A, there's nothing gayer than a unicorn, and I've been I've been called a unicorn many times because of couples that I ended up <laughs> with. So it's like it's like oh, and like you're you're a unicorn. I'm like come get a mine. I'm a unicorn for many. Not kidding. You know? Just clump to this. I'm not that vain. No. <laughs> okay, what is a noise that you really like? Um, can I can I maybe make the noise? Since yes, oh, yes, please. Okay. It's, because <laughs> that it, it it expresses that like we say it what i say it to my friends and my friends say it to me because it expresses like that cuteness that you, you want to like squish someone but you can't because they you love them and they're so cute yes. you're just like Meh. yes oh my god i love yeah. that i think of that I, with my cat all the time exactly yeah, <laughs> i'm gonna take that i love it um uh who's a celebrity crush i had a crush on um i forgot uh, oh sophia bush oh okay interesting yeah yeah i i, I used to be obsessed with one she has the so best cool. voice i'd say i know it's yeah. such a raspy voice i'm like i just want you to talk to me yeah. i want to close my eyes and and I, I just eat up your voice with, with yes. my with my ears yeah so yeah, I, I need think to that google would be- her <laughs> i'll send i'll send you a picture I please thank you <laughs> do you have a queer icon Hmm. I'm not really sure. I I keep on switching because I feel like I don't really identify. Maybe maybe that's not what a queer icon is, but I feel like usually an icon is something that I somebody that I really want to identify with or, mm-hmm. or be like. And I feel like my the lack of self image and the lack of like knowing what I want to be or who I like kind of prevents me from really choosing like one icon. I don't know if. That's a bummer of an answer. No, that's really like, deep. That's yeah, beautiful. It's not a bummer. It's not a bummer. Yeah. And like what's that. something you wish you knew more about? Indigenous history, for sure. I feel like I have learned a lot since I've been here, but prior to my two years here, I knew nothing about Indigenous folks in the U.S. or in Canada, and it was a new concept to me. So when I, when I moved here, I started learning about it, and I feel like I haven't done as good of a job keeping up but I think that is something that I really want to learn about more. Mm-hmm. I mean, even being raised in this country, like every single person here also needs to learn more about Indigenous history. Oh yeah, it was not in our exactly. education whatsoever. No. Yeah, and I hear that, which is, which is, I think is very fucked. Like, yeah, so fucked. Um, what would your friend say is your best quality? My best quality, qual- wow, quality, language barrier, sorry. Um, <laughs> That's a quality? <laughs> that, that is quality, yeah. Because <laughs> you can use it to get out of a lot of things. <laughs> You're like right if you're if you're getting good to get it at ttc it's like oh is it because i'm arab what i don't understand <laughs> oh God, I, I, I haven't done that yet but that would be my 
to get, get out of jail free card. Uh, that would be get into jail free card. What am I yeah, saying? That's yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yikes, yeah. Um Okay, so, so sorry, what was the question? Uh, what was your friend? Yeah. Um, I think my friends would say that I'm very, I'm a good listener and I feel like I am good in crisis. Mm. And I feel like I've, with my friends, I've had a lot of instances where I thought I was just being nice and like um, talking them through something and helping through something. And then realizing later on that it meant like they were really in a crisis and needed somebody to talk to. And I feel like it is, I think it's one of my best qualities because it's also something that I need. So by talking to people, I feel like I understand a lot of myself, about myself. So I think that would be one of my best qualities. And I give great hugs as well. So if anybody needs a hug at some time, I'm, I've been called teddy bear, so I'm good like, for it. I've never needed a hug more in this pandemic. <laughs> I wish that I could just crawl through the screen. I know. I'm I'll locked in a, a cold hug. basement away from Thank anybody, you. but sure. <laughs> um, what, are you, what is something you're grateful for? Um, something I'm grateful for... Um, certain people in my life. Um, I definitely would not be here, would not be this person if it wasn't for, um, I guess I guess I could name them. Like um, Kevin and Chriselle are uh, uh, two of the people that honestly, they are the loves of my life, even though, you know, there's nothing remotely sexual or anything. It's just like, I adore them so much and my sister as well. I'm very grateful for these people. Um, what is something that you dislike about straight culture? Straight culture? Done. Something I dislike about straight culture is um, is when somebody is kind of being um, somebody who has a bit of awareness of queer culture and then kind of pretends. It's, it's, it's a very straight culture to be like, oh, I'm very sensitive about this. I know everything about this. That means I can, you know, say whatever I want, integrate myself into queer culture. And I'm like, no, you can. You, you, you can definitely be an ally to, you know, queer community, but you should always keep asking and learning more. Because even if you've talked, like, I have straight friends who have asked me about the difference between sexual identity and gender identity, and I went on these rants for, like, hours trying to talk to them and tell them what it is. But also, at the end of the day, I am not the whole queer community. This is how I feel about my own gender. And mm-hmm. I think straight culture and straight people should understand that knowing something about a queer person does not make them experts in, you know, the queer community. And I think we see that a lot with um, celebrities and with people and like with queer baiting. So uh, queer baiting is a very straight cultural thing. Where Absolutely. It's like, yeah. I love that answer. Um, what is uh, a queer superpower that you have? Making, making straight or quote unquote straight people open up to me about their sexual uh, orientation or identity or gender identity. Um, maybe because um, they see, like I am outspoken about it and maybe I seem comfortable about it. And maybe it's because I have the other, like where I like to listen and talk to people. I feel like I've had a lot of conversation with straight guys who are like, how would I know? Like I've never tried and like, you know, that very, first questioning that everybody has I was like mm-hmm. oh like where where do I go with this like I don't let myself think about it and so I feel like yeah, that's a good queer power that I have just like talking to straight people about queer things Tom I feel like that's you also <laughs> does that you like, <laughs> yes I feel seen I, I feel like also that's the premise of the podcast right like I feel like you have to have that <laughs> yeah. you nailed it um, Chris what is a queer fear that you have a queer fear that I have um I fear bringing, I feel that my, I fear that my queer identity will bring harm to my parents and my family. I, uh, I'm comfortable being who I am uh, around the people that want to be around me and the people that are not around me, I don't feel the need to go out and be like, hey, listen, I'm queer, right? But I feel that um, if my parents, if my parents surrounding 
kind of uh, realize how okay I am with my queer identity. I don't know how my parents would. Um, what what are the consequences that were for my parents? Because I have talked to my parents about this, but um, excuse me. But I feel like even legally, um, they could you know be kind of um, bothered, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I just feel like I accept not. I love who I am, and I and my parents have partially accepted it, but they don't love it, they don't live it. So from, I just hate thinking that my queer identity is forcing them into more pain or bringing more pain. And even psychological pain, right? Because my parents are still very religious and they're very Christian. And right. I still get random messages where like, oh, we want you to go to church today just for us. And I'm like, there's so much issues lying under that sentence, but that I cannot unpack right now with you. So that's what I fear. And do you have a queer mantra? It, it's, uh, I, I can't, uh, it's an Arabic, so I can't, it's not even a mantra. It's a, it's a phrase that kind of um, expresses my queerness and um, expresses my friend's queerness. So it's, okay, I'm going to say, and then I'm going to translate everything. It's partly in French. It's, oh, bonsoir. So bonsoir is basically good, good evening in French. And oh, means first things first, like good evening. So that is that is a very Lebanese cultural thing because it comes from beauty pageants where Miss Lebanon is oh they always answer the questions exactly the same at the beginning. We're like, okay, before answering the question, first things first, good afternoon, good evening, right? So but they say it in a very, very feminine, very queer manner that not, now I'm my friends with like my friend calls me and like I answer and then like he starts talking immediately. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, first things first, good evening. <laughs> so I think, that, I think, yeah, I think that kind of gives me some uh, queer empowerment as well. <laughs> okay, thank you for those unbelievable answers. Um, we like to end every show with like what we call a double rainbow, which is a cute positive thing that happened either today or last week or this week or, or whatever. Um, we can give you some time to think, Tom, do you have a double rainbow? Um, I can I can go first. <laughs> um, so uh, I mentioned it already, but the the sit-in that was organized by Not Another Black Life um, just this past week is my double rainbow because um, it 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 was just like history in the making. It was just watching um, all these people come together, you know, to end anti-black racism and to fight to end anti-black racism and police brutality and to def- defund the police and like just there's been a lot of conversation online and. Um, you know, like really great people donating, signing petitions, but there was something about seeing um, just all of these people in a space together, just literally sitting on the street and blocking traffic. It was, it was incredibly powerful and it stayed with me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was, I went there for a couple of hours and it was, uh, everybody was just, and if, if, if you think about it, like every time you go down the street furthermore, there's a very different type of queer uh, energy that's been given off. Like some people were dancing, some people were setting poetry, some people were shouting. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so yeah, I, I get why that would be an amazing moment. Do you um, have a double rainbow? I do. I don't know how detailed I can be. So let's say in the camp, we took our medicine, right? And... <laughs> very politically correct and while we were going on a trip my queer friend and i were sitting and talking about our emotion and she looked at me and she was trying to express herself and i i I was trying to help her and like to get the words out because she couldn't really say what she wanted to say and she was like i want to feel this i want to i want to and then she said she was like acceptance like I want acceptance. I want to feel accepted. So like I, I held her and I'm like, I accept you and I feel so accepted by you. And then we hugged for like 10 minutes and just like kept on like embracing each other. And I felt like that feeling of like being mutual acceptance was the complete highlight of my, uh, my week. Wow, that's very profound. <laughs> uh, and my double rainbow was going to a gay pool party. Anyway, <laughs> Chris, do you want to yeah. um, tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to, you know, follow you? Uh, yeah, for sure. So my Facebook is uh, Christoph H. 
Christoph is spelled like Christopher, but without the R at the end. And Hage is H-A-G-E. Uh, so like Hag, but with an E. Uh, <laughs> and Hage. But exactly. Funny enough, my friend Hage, and I Hage. Identify, yeah, <laughs> we identify as, as Swamp Hags. So now they, swamp, they call me Swamp Hage. So we all need more Swamp Hags in our life. Honestly. I know. I know I do. <laughs> So yeah, they can find me on Christoph Hage on Facebook and my Instagram is Chris.Hage. Amazing. Great. Okay, well, thank you so, so much. This was, um, this was an amazing conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. I honestly feel so, so happy right now just being able to talk with you and to share my experience with you. Please don't hesitate to re- back, reach back out. We're, yes, we're a please. platform whenever yes. you want. Definitely, same here. I'm available anytime to talk. Amazing, thank you. Uh, and so, thanks, listeners, for listening in and taking it all in. And without further a queer, see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Do you queer? 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 Do you queer?